0: Election College episode 35. Garfield is inaugurated and his presidency is short. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College and class is in session. Now, Your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So, Ben, it's 1881, and James Garfield, he's our man.
1: I mean, if he can't do it, no one can, right?
0: Right, yeah. So, as we know, in 1880, the Republican National Convention got a little crazy. It was held in Chicago, and... After the 35th ballot, Garfield emerges (laughs) as our man.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could say it was a bit of a compromise uh, between a couple different factions. But definitely what you can say is that the Republican Party, not so unified at this time.
0: Yeah, because you had the stalwarts and they were people like U.S. Grant and some of his cronies, which I say crony for a reason because it was pretty much a crony system. Their philosophy, the stalwarts, that was their philosophy was basically hey, we are elected and we have a lot of clout, and it's all about who has clout and who knows who.
1: And we're better than you, so we should actually be elected.
0: Right. And Garfield was from a sect called the Halfbreeds. I don't know if that was really a euphemism or. A term of endearment, but the half breeds <laughs> were called half breeds because they were accused of being only half Republican.
1: Yeah, usually the the term half breeds is not used endearingly, but let's just pretend like it is this, in this case.
0: Yeah, and so <laughs> the half breeds, yay, half breed. <laughs> <laughs> they were known for being very much on the end of. Hey, you qualify you deserve a position based on your merit instead of who you know.
1: Right yeah it's more of a um, uh, more of a capitalism system rather than a caste system, I suppose you could say almost.
0: Yeah. And so probably one of the leading people on the half-breed side was who would become the Secretary of State under Garfield's administration. It would be Blaine and senator blaine was um or i should say is somebody's name that you need to know about as we go forward
1: yeah he's um he's kind of the new and improved not new and improved but uh almost like the new wizard of oz
0: <laughs> right
1: move <laughs> so, over hamilton
0: yeah blaine is our man so really garfield he is inaugurated and between the election and the inauguration, he's trying to get all of these people to come back together and be friends again.
1: Yeah. He's really just trying to assemble his cabinet um, for one and for two, trying to put things back together. As far as the uh, Congress goes, Um, everybody's split. Nobody's really leaning on each other for help. Everybody's kind of just, there's a lot of infighting. And so he's trying to put together his dream team of the cabinet to help him Really push through a lot of these issues and assemble people from uh, that that he seems, uh, what's the word, deemed appropriate, I guess, that, that have earned the position.
0: Right. And all the while in this, we have Blaine in the background. And it's even rumored that, you know, he had watchmen on Garfield at all times just to make sure that their philosophy was. Moving forward. But even right. in spite of this, you did have some of the stalwarts uh, who made it to the cabinet.
1: Yeah. So we've got um, a couple names that m- most of us probably don't know, uh, um, myself included in that. Uh, I did want to mention that, we, that Robert Todd Lincoln, uh, the uh, son of President Lincoln, was actually the Secretary of War at the time. Um, so that's kind of a cool i mean like a little throwback uh, yeah i guess i don't know i guess
0: yeah it's cool to have a lincoln
1: in the house sure why not
0: yeah and you had uh people like william hunt uh who became the secretary of the navy which i mentioned that because garfield was pretty influential and in helping the navy come back as it were uh you you had um Uh, William Wyndham from Minnesota, Uh, he became the Secretary of the Treasury, and um, Thomas Lemuel uh, James, he was the Postmaster General. I wonder, Ben, have you read much about what the Postmaster General did in this era? Uh,
1: I've read a little bit just because of stories that surrounded other things, but not specifically about the Postmaster General, no.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that in the last several episodes, that title has come up. And when I think of Postmaster General, I'm not thinking, oh this is a a really active part of government today, but it certainly was back then. I can imagine that uh interstate commerce uh really relied heavily on the post office, and uh maybe that eventually has something to do with interstate commerce perhaps
1: right, yeah, I suppose so it it's um uh, it, To my knowledge, it would have been a similar position as it is now, but probably at the time, it was much more impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So really, Garfield was – he was very busy trying to form alliances and get get people to come back together, being aligned on the same side that is. And uh, it was actually said that by the time his inauguration comes around, that he was really distracted and he was known as being a really good orator but his inauguration speech um some of the witnesses say that eh, you could tell he was distracted
1: yeah, yeah, he just wasn't quite up the snuff. Um, he did emphasize the civil rights of African-Americans. Uh, he was quoted as saying, freedom can never yield its fullness of blessings so long as the law or its administration places the smallest obstacle in the pathway of any virtuous citizen. And I mean, uh, and it says smallest obstacle, but some of those huge obstacles that we're looking at at that time are, are things like, oh, I don't know, being able to live without being chased down and beaten. <laughs> right. Or the jail. So I mean not only that but also the little stuff too like can you know can we get people to share buildings with each other but I digress.
0: Yeah, so the appointments of stalwarts to the cabinet really infuriated uh members of the half breed sect and you had this going on back and forth. People just really upset with one another. Um, there was a huge difference in philosophies because you had the merit system versus this kind of caste system. Um, you had uh, people being appointed positions allegedly. So other positions could be vacated. So new people could take those positions that were vacated, just a lot lot of infighting there. And it caused um, just a a lot of trouble and disturbance there early on.
1: I I wonder if that was actually the case or if it was just accused of being the case, because we oftentimes see things like that in our modern society where we're like, oh, they obviously did that in order that this could happen. And in reality, maybe it Was just a fluke? I don't know. Um, So I wonder if there actually was any of that happening, um, at least as much as the opponents claimed there to be.
0: Yeah, I am sure that that was the case. and
1: Um, It it got so bad, uh, people being upset with each other and um, people thinking corruption, people actually practicing some corruption, that Senator Conkling and Senator Platt Resign their Senate seats to seek vindication. Um, they they were they decided that um, we we don't want to take this anymore, and we're going to show you by giving up all of our authority over anything, um, which you know doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and so then, like after they resigned, they were like, "Oh, okay. Um, we'll just elect somebody else. That's cool, right?" <laughs>
0: So there were some other reforms that Garfield really uh tried for. You know, Grant and Hayes, they they both advocated civil service reform. And um there was there was some reform going on. Um now Garfield was sympathetic to that. Um he believed that the spoils system or this kind of caste system, it, it, it damaged the presidency and, and really distracted. Uh, everybody from the more important concerns of the time. Um, Some of these reformers were disappointed that Garfield had actually advocated limited tenure uh, only to the minor office seekers and actually gave appointments to his old friends. But in spite of this, um, many people still remain loyal and, and they supported Garfield. So, so just to recap that you had Garfield, who was known as the positive half breed, acting more like a stalwart, but not really.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe in practice, but probably not in intent. I would say um, it, it probably certainly seemed like that. Um, yeah, so uh, one of uh, one of Garfield's big things, as Jason uh, mentioned briefly, uh, civil rights. Um, really wanted to make sure that civil rights were improved and education was improved amongst African Americans Uh, I guess at this point that's really the only people that anybody is sticking up for because there's probably lots of other marginalized groups but um, uh, at the time obviously uh, African American civil rights were huge and very important and still are very important but uh, he's really a strong proponent for that Uh, for reconstruction, uh, continuing the things that had been started, and uh, I guess you could say pseudo concluded during reconstruction. Um, so, those are big parts of Garfield and his party's um, platform.
0: So, in this era, we have improved technology and we have more of an international. Thing going on. We've got large groups of immigrants coming in from China, um, which you kind of alluded to just a moment ago, Ben. And we alluded to in in the last episode, there was a a lot of racism going on there. But you actually had an expansion of foreign policy uh, during Garfield's short administration. You actually had James Blaine as the Secretary of State really Looking to increase uh, relations in the Western Hemisphere, you know, for a long time we had uh, the Monroe Doctrine and, and the philosophies going there, where uh, we are looking after as Americans uh, the interests of the Western Hemisphere that we're going to um, try to keep the British <laughs> and other European powers uh, yeah. a- out of out of our side of the planet. We should also mention that this is the time when. Uh, The United States looks to begin the concept of how to construct a canal in Panama without the inclusion of the British. And then also you've got this group of islands in the middle of the Pacific that Great Britain has a a great deal of interest in. And so do the Americans, uh, those islands being Hawaii. Uh, So you had uh, really the the impetus of um, relations going on of, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do outside of our current borders?
1: Right. We've been having such a hard time figuring out what we're going to do inside our current borders and people trying to make new borders and all sorts of crazy stuff going on that we've kind of forgotten that there's stuff outside. Yeah. Uh, at least we, we looking back on history, I mean, we haven't really talked about foreign policy a whole lot for a long time, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's a really good point Jason. Hawaii is a is a huge thing especially as it relates to um as to as it relates to our relationship with with Britain.
0: So Ben, there's this guy his name is Charles J ghetto Uh-huh. And he's kind of reminds me of the one of those guys who just kinds of, kind of shows up to the party and he's kind of on the fringe and you don't know if you should be nice to him or just kind of leave them alone or lock them in jail.
1: You know, you know that type. Yeah, I think I do know the types for sure.
0: So at the eighteen eighty Republican convention, remember that? I don't remember it specifically. Um,
1: I've read about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> well, um,
1: I'm not at, the crypt keeper over here. Or anything?
0: Right. Well, at the one of the committee meetings in New York. Back in 1880, uh, he writes this speech called Grant versus Hancock because he thought U.S. Grant was going to win the nomination. It made sense. Yeah, and after Grant didn't win the nomination, he revised the speech to Garfield versus Hancock. I, I've heard of people like this, right? You know, yeah, they sure. kind of get on your side, and, and they're they're a little strange, they're a little off, but okay, whatever. So. Garfield is inaugurated and, and he's all in Washington and, and everything. And he just keeps on pestering Garfield. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, Guiteau was actually, uh, wanting to speak at the, com- uh, committee convention. Uh, and, uh, either it ended up that he wasn't asked, he wasn't asked to, or he was asked to, and he was so nervous that he couldn't, but either way, uh, he figured that the the speech he wrote and the book he got printed and everything, or I'm sorry, the speech he got printed was so important and went so far towards Garfield's victory that that should make him able to receive the consul position in Paris. And meanwhile, he doesn't speak any French. He doesn't know any foreign language. <laughs> he really hasn't done anything that important, except he wrote a speech about Grant and then renamed it about Garfield.
0: Yeah, so really, Secretary of State Blaine was like, okay, listen, dude, leave us alone. I I think he had some stronger words than leave us alone, but he's like, back off.
1: Or I'm going to hit you. I think that's historically accurate. (laughs) He said, back off, or I'm going to hit you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they basically uh, would see Guiteau. He'd come and ask for a position. They'd say, nah, go away. He'd come and ask again. Nah, go away. He'd ramble his mouth off to other people out and about, and they'd say, go away. And you're not qualified. You didn't earn this. um, You didn't do anything good enough to deserve it. All you want to do is go to Paris and eat baguettes. And uh, basically, he just continues to push, continues to push, and gets starts continuing to get really upset about it. He's
0: like, I'm going to kill the president.
1: Well, that's and, a, that's a good reaction. I mean, that's what any <laughs> logical person would do.
0: Right. And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to kill Garfield. And what's going to happen is that gets rid of the half breed, right? Oh, because sure. Yeah. Because the Vice President Arthur was a stalwart. So he has it in his mind that he's actually acting justly, that he is he's going to do this thing and it's going to be great for the country, uh, it's going to be great for the Republicans, and he's really trying hard. So he goes and he thinks to himself. Hmm, Charles, (laughs) the president is going to be at this train station and most of Garfield's cabinet was going to be at this train station and um, all of his friends are going to see him off and, and that'll be, that'll be where we do it. So Gato, he takes out his revolver. He shoots Garfield twice, once in the back and once in the arm. And this was in the morning, and he runs off, and the police officer catches him. And the police officer was like, what in the heck did you just do? And Gateau <laughs> is being led away, and he goes, I did it. I will go to jail for it. I am a stalwart, and Arthur will be president.
1: So basically, he's like, go ahead, kill me, because I just shot the president. I mean, that's... That's a kind of an offensive thing to do, right? At the time, especially. Yeah, they pretty much, right. they don't just throw you in jail for a while or anything at this point.
0: All right. So, you know, uh, I just mentioned how a lot of his cabinet members were at the train station. You know, among them was Robert Todd Lincoln. You can imagine how traumatic this is because just 16 years before, he watched his father die from an assassin's bullet. Um, But Garfield is taken back to the White House. He's not dead. And his wife was actually in New Jersey. Um, They come and get her uh, to come back to Washington and spend some time with him. It's kind of ironic here, uh, just to show you how, I don't know if ironic is the right word, Ben, but uh, Blaine actually tried or thought about killing Garfield earlier, but his wife was present and right. he thought that that would be too traumatic for his wife to see, so he waited till she was gone.
1: Right. Yeah. And uh, basically, at the time, everybody, uh, all all the doctors are like, "Oh man, we gotta, we gotta get the bullets out of there." So oh, I, I have an idea. I'll just stick my hand inside the bullet hole.
0: Yeah. Good idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, why why bother to put gloves on or use any antiseptic or anything like that? I'll just I'll just give him some morphine, and um, we'll just you know wipe our hand off on our pants or maybe the bottom of our shoe and just put it put it right in there. So he was having all kinds
0: of crazy hallucinations and everything from all of this infection and everything that's entering his body. Well, it was too
1: has to be outstanding. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Like somebody told him that uh, chief sitting bull who was a prisoner of the army at the time uh, Uh. that he was starving. Garfield said, let him starve. And then he said, Oh no, send him my oatmeal. Um, So uh, (laughs) you can imagine that this was not a, a happy time. Uh, Ben, did you hear this one about Alexander Graham Bell?
1: Yeah, um, he he came around and he was like, hey, I've got this metal detector I came up with because that's what I do, because I'm Alexander Graham Bell. I make stuff and then it becomes it becomes really popular later and people get rich off my inventions. So he tries to use this metal detector he had um, come up with and uh, he couldn't find it still he couldn't find the bullet.
0: Yeah, and they actually say that if the doctor would have allowed him to check the other side, um, that they probably would have found the bullet. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, they said the metal detector was actually being thrown off by his metal bed.
1: Wow. Yeah. How unfortunate is that? That's one thing you would think that Alexander Graham Bell would be like, you know, we should probably not do this on the metal bed. Right, he's like, I'm Alexander Graham Bell. Trust me, I know this. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they continue to try and find the bullet, and they continue to keep him comfortable, and he's just not not really getting better. Um, later on, he takes a turn for the worse, and and by later on, I mean like uh, days or weeks later, um, his temperature gets way up. He. Um he just ha- suffers from some more complications of things, and he's losing weight like crazy. Um, he had wanted to before all this happened. Uh, he wanted to get out of Washington for a little while and, and go somewhere a little cooler. And then so while all this is happening, they actually agree to move him um, uh, out to Elberon, which is uh, I think that's in New Jersey. And they, they take him away and take him out to kind of be relaxed a little bit i suppose
0: yeah um it's really crazy too cuz in the summer heat they were they actually devised a makeshift air conditioner where a fan would blow over a block of ice and it lowered the room temperature by like 20 degrees they say so there there was some advanced techniques that they were using in spite of doing things like, I think they said a doctor actually punctured his liver by kind of feeling in there and with his finger. And so
1: So pretty rough. Dang. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And and then even more to that point, they say he probably could have actually survived his wounds. It wouldn't have been that bad. Um, But I mean, they didn't have any kind of sterilization practice. Um, they didn't know that that sometimes it's okay to leave the bullet where it is if nothing ill is happening, um, and then of course the puncturing of the liver and um, just the fact that he was shot twice, so that didn't help things. But all those things put together with with little medical knowledge, um, he probably could have survived now. But at the time, it was he was pretty much done for.
0: Yeah. So, just a few months later, after the assassination attempt, Garfield dies.
1: Yeah. And, of course, Guiteau was indicted uh, for the murder. And then he was in, in a trial where he was disruptive and he argued with everyone um, they used the insanity defense and said no, he should be he should be let go. He, he's insane, obviously. And instead, the jury is like, no, he's guilty. Put him to death. And um, he actually was executed later that year. But um, they found out that he actually might have had syphilis, which, right, if you know anything about syphilis, can cause some mental impairment. Um, among, among other complications as well, but um, I, I still think if you if you're going to shoot the president and you have enough knowledge to know uh, that you know you can clearly communicate why you're doing it, it's probably not solely from a mental impairment, but it is possible that that contributed to things.
0: Yeah, there's actually then um, there's actually a cartoon from that era that shows this guy got as, as being um, like a clown. Like he was just nutty. He taught himself how to fire the gun uh, shortly before the assassination. And he would, he, they say the first time that he shot the gun, it, he it knocked him over and <laughs> he just didn't know. He didn't know if he was coming or going really. Um, after, after he shot the president he actually dictated an autobiography to the new york herald and he ended it with a personal ad for a quote nice christian lady under 30 years of age <laughs> uh, he, he was he was just totally unaware how much people hated him yeah. he really thought that he was doing the just thing by getting president arthur in office
1: it- and I mean, this isn't an excuse for any of the great atrocities of history, of course, but I, I really don't think I know of many, I, I can't think of many instances where something terrible has happened, whether it was an assassination or genocide or war or whatever um, that didn't start out with someone thinking this will help people or this will, this will help the greater good. Um, it's always a case of mis- Miss, um, a misjudgment, a bad judgment, uh, in thinking that something's going to help,
0: right? So, get, um, Gateau ends up living longer than any of the other people who've assassinated presidents. He lived, um, I think it was about nine months after the assassination, and they say that while he was being led to his execution, he was smiling and waving at the spectators and to the reporters. He was just happy to be at the center of the attention. Man.
1: I think I know some people like that too.
0: (laughs) That's scary, Ben. That is very scary. (laughs) I
1: know.
0: But, but more about that. He said that, uh, uh, they say that he danced his way to the gallows, shook hands with his executioner and on the scaffold as a last request, He recited a poem he had written during his incarceration, um, which he called the poem, I Am Going to the Lordy. And he had originally requested for an orchestra to play as he sang his poem. Um, That request was denied. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So the last view that people got of him before they put the mask over his head was him smiling.
1: Yeah. He he is pretty pretty goofy looking. I just looked up a picture of him. Yeah, he's got the creepy eyes. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think I would have known that was coming had I met him. Yeah,
0: H- hindsight's twenty twenty. I suppose.
1: <laughs> well, um, as with uh, as with all types of heads of state, there was, um, of course, a public funeral and viewing and everything so Garfield's train um, with w- the funeral train actually left Long Branch uh, it went back on the same track that it had come on and uh, he was transported to the capital where there was a viewing and then he went on to Cleveland um, for the burial they took his body there and over 70,000 citizens um, came and walked by his body as he was in Washington and then 150,000 Um, came to Cleveland, which the amount of people in Cleveland was about 150,000. So pretty much everybody, the the whole population of Cleveland, came to see him uh, laid to rest. Yeah,
0: and actually he's laid to rest in a very ornate tomb there in Cleveland um, next to his wife, and you can visit that, I believe, in the summertime. uh, It's open for you to
1: view. Yep. It it is pretty cool looking. It's like almost like a castle.
0: Yeah. So shout out to Cleveland.
1: Yep. You did something. Okay. You made a cool tomb, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have to understand Ben lives in the Pittsburgh area and I live in the Cincinnati area. So
1: yeah, just,
0: just a little fun there. Yeah. So Ben, anything else about the assassination of president Garfield?
1: Um, I mean just that it's weird like it seems like he was impactful but he was in the office very little time and of that time much of the time was spent in a bed re- recovering or not recovering I suppose it was from some gunshots and he just like I still know his name like the guy that didn't do a whole lot you know his name 150 years later yeah
0: And I think the only official thing that he ever did between his wound and his death was um, some sort of extradition order, some fairly minor piece of, um, I don't know what you would say, not legislation, but um, a presidential uh, duty. That was the only thing that he carried out after that. So, yeah, James James Garfield.
1: There you go, folks. Uh, if you want to learn hey. more about James Garfield, you should. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any kind of reading rainbow pitch or anything here for another book for anybody, but um, uh, he's a he's an interesting guy and an interesting childhood and an interesting turn of events for sure.
0: Yeah, and if you would like to do a little bit of research and find a resource about President Garfield, you can head over to Audible. Dot com, where I'm sure there's something available. If you go to electioncollege.com slash audible, and it's your first time on audible, you'll get a free download if you sign up for the 30, first 30 days.
1: Yep, absolutely. And don't forget to check us out. Uh, not only just our, our buddies over at audible, our, our nameless faceless buddies over there, um, but also make sure you come check out our names and faces on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at election college as well as our website electioncollege.com. and uh we'll share in all the memories together
0: yes and now that twitter has a heart next to it it's just all that much more special so (laughs) all right we'll see you next time